You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for a Geeks Pub. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. How are you this week, David? Yeah, I know okay. there's bad stuff going on, and I know it's uh, it's I'm hard not tired. to focus on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it it, it is. But uh, no, I'm a bit tired, and mm-hmm. yeah, I I I'm increasingly tired. I, I don't know whether it's because I'm just tired of lockdown and everything that goes with it. Whether it's just because I've been, you know, really busy this week. I'm I'm kind of I'm now doing virtually back to back conference calls every day, and it and it kind of wears you out, you know. Yeah, you would uh, think that it's not a physical job. It's not like you're out there breaking rocks or something, but it's a mental stress. Yeah. And a mental stress will wear you out just as fast as a physical stress. Well, the other thing as well with, um, I mean, one of the downsides of of the kind of the, the world we're living in now, when in my sort of business, is that because it's so easy to organize meetings, people organize a lot of meetings, but when you're sat in a meeting, you can't get anything else done. And right. So you, and you, there's you a, see a problem with meetings for meetings' sake. Yeah. Yeah, it, particularly well, I'm now working back in the home office, so people like to have a lot of meetings. It's, it's, it's very, very consultative. So um, the difficulty is you have all these meetings and then you're not getting any actual productive work done. And and it's quite disheartening when you get up in the morning, look at your schedule, and, um, you know, basically you have maybe an hour kind of spread out over the day where you're not actually sat in a meeting doing something, and then you think, oh, well, that's the day gone. All right, I'm, I'm more depressed now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty busy too. Um, we had a three-day weekend last weekend, which was great. And uh, I, you know, I I, I kind of got used to not working Saturdays. Yeah. So I would have a two-day weekend, and that was wonderful. Mm. But we're back to being open on Saturdays, ten to two. It's only four hours, but that doesn't matter. You know, like yesterday, completely dead. It was the first Saturday we've been open. And they're still advertising, you know, um, appointments only, but um, I didn't have any appointments. Yeah. And I had a customer come in wanting to know, I, I know I'm supposed to make an appointment, real nice couple, uh, and they were yeah. interested in a Tacoma. Here's the problem. We had two Tacomas left. Mm-hmm. Um, they put, Toyota had put 0% financing on them, and we, we went through 35 Tacomas in one month. Right. Which is a lot. And yeah. most dealerships don't have them either. And that promotion ends Monday. So, which means I, I can't even do a dealer trade to get the vehicle in for you because it won't get here in time. Yeah. So, I had this couple walk in. They look at the Tacoma. They're also looking at the Ford Ranger, which enjoys 0% financing up to 84 months, which means you get to pay for it for eight years, but they no financing charges. Yeah. Um, and they kind of like that too, but I figured, that, well, they're going to go for the Ranger because price. I mean, it's yeah. a junky vehicle, but, you know, 0% financing for 84 months is hard to... They had us beat by 250 bucks a month. How much down do you have Do you have to put on these sorts of deals? Because over here, none. normally when they... None? None. Normally over here, when they do 0% financing, you have to put kind of 40, 50% in to to get access to that. I mean, I would I would buy a junky vehicle at eight years financing, no no. Well, that's what down. I figured. Yeah. These people came in at 11, 11.30... We closed yeah. it too. They knew that. And they had already looked at the Ranger. They came in, looked at the uh, Tacoma, which is a much better vehicle. Yeah. And then they left. Mm-hmm. I, I gave them pricing, showed them what their payments would be, everything. They left. So I thought, okay, they're they're going to go buy the Ranger. And I couldn't really blame them. I mean, because 
that was a really good price. I said, I hope you've done your research and you, and you looked up reviews of the Ranger and the Tacoma and compared the two. Um, yeah. And they left, so I thought, okay, well, that's that. It's now uh, about 20 after 1. I'm looking forward to leaving in 40 minutes. It's completely dead. And they walk back in. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm like, yay, I'm going to sell a car, except you know, I'm going to be here for a while now. <laughs> yeah. And I was really looking forward to leaving it too. So I got out of there a little after three, but they said, uh, I asked them, well, I didn't, the, the finance manager did. He goes, what brought you back here? Because Tim said that you guys were probably going to go for the Ranger because of the better financing deal. Yeah. And uh, it turns out they liked the Tacoma a lot better, but they were still leaning towards the Ford until they went back to the Ford store and the salesman was such an, an ass. Right. And he was just pushy and almost demeaning to him. And they said, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with this. So they came back yeah. and they said, the Tacoma is going to cost more, but it's a better vehicle and we really liked him. So that's kind of what it's all about. Well, when they left, I was like, okay, I understand. Well, you guys have a great day. Uh, if you guys decide to do something, remember we do close at two, and uh, it's it was beautiful yesterday. I said, and yeah. at the very least, enjoy today. It's it's gorgeous weather. They're real nice people, and yeah. uh, I guess the other guy was not like that at all. Followed him out the door when they were leaving the first time, and walked right up oh, to the cars. Man. You know, just like, dude, this is that's not what you do. Well, look, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm on. I went to West Palm Beach because that's that's the place I know. I knew the guy, the, and you know the name of the dealer down there to kind of look at this deal. Yeah, um, Alpaca Ford in West Palm Beach. I'm going to say it. You're looking at their website here, and you would have no idea that this deal is even exists. Yeah, we, yep. you know, and that's just that's the bait and switch, isn't it? That's yeah. just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we're not going to try and bring you in for that, but. Um, you it know, was. Uh, I, I, I just. It just. It just demonstrates really, kind of, how, how bad car sales can be, and I, I don't blame people who. You oh, know, we, it, it we're kind of awful. the same. Yeah, we're kind of the same with this, and I'm. I'm far more tolerant, that um, uh, of this than. Um, oh right, it's popped up now. I've been on the site five minutes. It's just popped up that deal. Um, I'm far more tolerant of. Um, kind of pushy salesman and everything like that than Leanne is when we go to buy things like cars. She really, I am not. Know, she, see, and that's why yeah. I think I've been very successful because I am not pushy. Um, yeah. All I do is provide information to people. That's all I really do. Yeah. I do ask for the sale. I do say, is this something you guys want to do today? Do you want to take the car home today? Um, but I'm not, if they say no or we want to think about it, Sometimes you got to overcome those objections. Sometimes there's a defense mechanism that people immediately will say, no, this is not something I just started looking. I have to think on it, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And you got to figure out what the real objection is. And a lot of time it's just fear. It's just that they don't have the information. This isn't just cars. This is anything. Yeah. And you have to overcome those objections. And, and you're actually doing people a favor by not, you know, putting them through another month of trying to figure out once, once they already know the car and it's obvious this is the right vehicle or this is the right refrigerator or this is the right, whatever the thing is, you're not doing them a, a service by letting them stew on it for another month. They're just going to, they're going to be right back where they were. They're going to spend the same amount of money. Yeah. So you're basically saving them time by saying, 
you know, you don't actually say it, but you give them the impression that this is a good idea and you're making a good decision. That's really what people want. They want to they want to know that they're making a good decision. They don't want to feel like they're getting ripped off. They don't want to feel like that they made a, a hasty decision. You're just helping people, and that's all I do is I help people. Yeah, but but yeah, but a lot of salesmen, it's like, well, I want I want your sale. You clearly want to buy it, so I'm going to mm-hmm. badge you into buying it, and that that's not nice. So you know, and as I say. So Leanne hates anything like that. She she doesn't like it if the salesman even comes over when she's looking at a car. You know, yeah. can I help you with anything? She kind of puts her off. I kind of understand what the game is, you yeah. know, and, I, and I'm like you. I kind of put my situation out there. I try not to, you know, be dishonest or, or hold anything back. I kind of say, okay, well, this is where we are. This is why we're looking at this. This is what we're interested in, you know. And if I am just genuinely looking because I'm interested in it, I'll say, I'm really not thinking about buying this. I just want to have a look at it. You know, and that way everybody knows where they are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we've had it where even though when you say that to the salesman, he assumes that it's a line and he's still all over you like a rash, you know? Yeah, and, and that's and bad. Also, yeah, and also as well, sometimes, you know, uh, the salesman will say, well, look, there's nobody here. Yeah, I'm not busy at the moment. Would you like to sit down and go through the numbers and see whether you can afford it? Now, if there's a slight inkling of me potentially in being interested in buying it, then I will do that, yeah? Because I also recognise that, that if a salesman has nothing to do, if he's got a lead or something like that, that also helps him out. You know, salesmen need to have leads. They need mm-hmm. to have, to be shown, they, it's better for, for them and their boss to show that they actually sat down and spoke to somebody and tried to do a sale rather than sit there playing Tetris on the computer. So, you know, sometimes I will sit down and do that. But I, I'm always very honest about, yeah, well, you know, I'm not really sure that I'm going to do a, a deal today, but I'll have a look at the figures if that's what you want to spend time doing. Leanne hates all of that. You know, as far <laughs> as she's concerned, she wants to be left alone until she's ready to sit down and deal. Um, and some salesmen are, are worse than others. But I had yeah. a thing I had a thing this week. So we're, we're going to have to change our laptop fleet in the company going forward because we're moving to a new Microsoft service and you have to have laptops that are pre-approved by Microsoft in order to be able to get this managed service from them. So From a security current, standpoint or a performance yeah, standpoint? Uh, no, no, it's 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 more about security and, yeah. and maintainability because this is Microsoft's managed desktop service. So basically, what they do is they manage the build and the installation and the software on the on the computers, and they do it all remotely. And the idea is is that suppose you need a new one because you've got a hardware failure or something, you get sent a new one from the factory and you boot it up. You can log in with your personal account, your user, your mic corporate um email address and the machine builds itself over the internet to the exact specification it's really kind of cool because it means that laptop management becomes a complete non-issue for us as a company and we don't have an it department so that's exactly what we want but to get that service you have to have machines that microsoft are comfortable supporting so the ones we have at the moment are not on the list and they've said right we'll we'll take your current ones on but as they come up for replacement, and certainly any new ones you buy, you've got to buy off our list. So I'm looking at the machines on the list to see how they differ from what we have at the moment. And I I need to get one in now to actually try it out. So I was looking at the Dell website, and, you know, sometimes you look at the Dell website, and they don't give you all the information you want about the machine. There's a lot of information there, but you see different prices, and you don't know whether it's promotional or not, or whether it's missing key features. So... um I'm looking at a particular computer and I couldn't see whether it had the Windows Hello camera on it, which is something that we need for this service. So um, I called Dell up and I got through to somebody 
went through a whole load of him. It was really, really slow. He kept on asking me, you know, who do you work for? What's your email address? You know, and then and then he would spend two, three minutes doing something on the computer. And, I'm, you know, it took 10 minutes. I hadn't even asked him a question. Eventually, I said to the guy, I said, look, you know, I really need to, to get on with my day. What's going on? No, I'm going to transfer you to the business. You're an account manager in business because you're a business. Okay, fine. So I do that, get transferred over, go through all the details. She was very, very helpful. Yeah. And she got me two different quotes for the computer. I didn't really want quotes. All I wanted, because I could see the prices on the website. All right. I wanted to know was what the difference between the machines were. Yeah. So she goes, oh, well, you know, I can do your custom build for this and a custom build for that. I really wanted, I said, well, what's on the stand? Anyway, we finally got there. We understood what we wanted. And uh, she sends me the quote via email. And uh, the problem then is to action those quotes. Yeah, I have to go through the company. And that means I'd have to get a purchase order raised, um, a, a bank transfer sorted. It would take, particularly with COVID now, it would take over a week. Yeah, um, before the machine's actually ordered, let alone delivered. Then they probably want to deliver it to our office address, and there's nobody there at the moment. Um, I thought, so, I really don't want to do that. I just need to get this machine in so I can have a look at it and send some features out to all of our guys so they understand what, what we're getting into, and then we can just make a decision. So I, I just bought one off the website at the end, Yeah, because I didn't want a quote. I just wanted information. Yep. Well, this, this saleswoman, she's... She emailed me later on that day. She emailed me again the following morning. What are you doing about the quote? What are you doing about the quote? Then later on, I was on a call on Microsoft Teams. She found me on Microsoft Teams, and halfway through the call, I start getting in some messages from her. Can you get her back to me about that quote? Wow. And it was just like, it was just like you know, even if I was desperate to buy the computer, I wouldn't buy it from you. Yeah. You know. She kind of blew that, didn't she? <laughs> so you, you know, remember... And, and we've had this... We've had this from Dell before where, you know, we've had when the last time we bought the bulk load of computers, we we um we got a big quote and we we got, obviously we had to go go through those processes of as I was telling you. And I remember at the time they were it was like every day. It was like, well, you need to action the quote today, otherwise the deal disappears and all this sort of crap. Even though it said on the quote that it was valid for thirty days, the guys are ringing up and going, Well, if you don't process it today, the deal disappears. You know. So you remember uh the last episode of geeks pub we did um i talked quite a bit about building that custom grill for my sequoia yes and so i don't know if you have your cell phone with you or not i do i i texted you a picture so i got i got it done okay i got it painted i got it you know the bondo work and I posted pictures on um, a couple different Sequoia pages on Facebook that I'm a member of. Yeah. And when it was just the grill, not on the vehicle, everybody was like, that's awesome. Could you build me one? Yeah. A lot of excitement. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> my, the grill on my Sequoia, as you can see from that picture, it's kind of, it's a two-piece grill. The part that's mm. on the hood is independent from the one that's on the actual kind of the bumper part. The top of the bumper, yeah. Yeah. So so when I had built this logo in the middle of my grill, I centered it on the top part of the grill. Mm. And the problem is when I installed it on the truck, 
my logo looks like it's looking towards the heavens now. It, yeah. it, it, it is not centered and the angle is wrong, which you can see in that picture. You can yeah, also see, I, 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 I think I did a pretty good job of actually making oh, it. I, I was going to say, I mean, you wouldn't know it wasn't original. Right. Unless yeah. you, I, I mean, certainly from the, the kind of the view you're, you sent me here. It looks just as good, Klaus. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I matched the paint really well. Um, I got the, logo, the, the center part of it in there really good. I just didn't custom fit it beforehand, test fit it, while the hood was closed to see where I should have positioned yeah. the centerpiece. It, it should have it came really, way down. Yeah, it should have been matched with the bottom of the hood. Exactly, and I just didn't. above the just above the gap, and yep. then then when you close the hood, it would have looked like it was right. It would have been right in the middle. Well, well, yes, that that yeah. doesn't show the uh, the honeycomb that I was going to put behind it to fill in the gaps, so it looks yeah. normal. Um, but the moment I put it on there and closed the hood, I went, oh, damn. I just wasted a month of my time building this thing to the point where I can't really fix it. I would have to cut it, and it's just, yeah. So I screwed it up pretty bad. Um, could you could you put the old one back on? I can. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Um, I just haven't bothered yet. It was mm -hmm. depressing as soon as I put it on and saw what it looked like. I was not happy. Um, but... That being said, I learned a lot from doing it, and I've ordered um, another two-piece. I've ordered... Right. Well, the same one. The sa Well, the same inside part, yes, and the same outside, yeah. but the new outside part that I got is actually the same color as my truck, so I don't have to go through painting it, right. which is going to be very nice. It's going to save me a ton of time and work. Um, and now I know where it has to be positioned, so the second time it's going to be a lot better I've worked with Bondo now, so I know how to apply it and how it's going to fit in there well. So this time I'm I'm very confident that it's going to come out correct. Um, and it's going to take me half the time. Of course, yeah. I'm working more too, so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm still, it, it wasn't a complete waste of time. It was fun to do. Yeah. But well, you I learned did, something. Yeah, I, I learned a lot. Um that's 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 half the battle with some of these things. Is learning is learning what not to do as much as what to do. Well, here's something that I learned not to do. Don't trust my instincts when I go buy something. <laughs> so here's the situation. You know, and anybody listening to this show and tech fan um, knows I like arcade games, classic stuff like that. And I've had, yeah. and you've had a Raspberry Pi. Where I've actually, you know, built one with classic video games, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, the the Pi Four came out, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, and yeah. I've been wanting to use that for a new retro arcade system because my understanding was it would actually handle PS One games, PSP games, Dreamcast games, where and and all the N sixty four stuff, whereas the old one didn't. It, yeah, it just I, I, didn't. But yeah, the the Pi Four is is a is quite a bit more powerful than the previous Pis. I mean, it's quite a big step up in terms of speed. Well, you get so, more powerful uh, processor, which is very important when it comes to the, more of these high end games from fifteen twenty years ago. You get more RAM. The new one comes with two four or yeah, it was two or four gigabytes. Yeah, and they just launched an eight gig model. Well, that's the problem. Well for, 
Yeah, but that I mean, eight gig is those are for people who are doing big projects. It's, I know, uh, but double still. the price. That price of RAM has shot through the roof recently as well. Yep. So well, um, I last first... weekend I ordered a four gigabyte Pi Four. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool is it actually has USB three, has gigabit Ethernet, which I don't care about because I'm going to connect it via Wi Fi anyways. Um, yep. And it's got it. It does support two 4K displays, but it uses the micro HDMI ports. Mm-hmm. So I ordered one with a power supply, uh, and I ordered uh, a two-pack of the HDMI mini to regular HDMI adapters. And literally the day I ordered it, the next day, they announced the 8-gig version. Now, do I need yeah. the 8-gig version? No, but I would have got the 8-gig version. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's... But it, it's- it's a lot more money, though. I mean, it's virtually double the price of the base one. I know. It's like $70. Yeah. Which, um... But I'm not why. too upset because I I downloaded an image that was... Because uh, the whole retro arc stuff is yeah. depending on dependent, and it's built for the hardware. And all the Pi yeah. 3 stuff, while it will work on the Pi 4, it's choppy. Yeah. So uh, they finally have a... Um, a Pi 4 build. They're all in still kind of betas, but they're very stable betas. Um, yeah. And I found one 128 gig image that I had downloaded in anticipation of getting this. And uh, I had already flashed a card and everything. And right. so when this arrived, I immediately put it together. I bought a case with a fan and some heat sinks, put it all together, plugged it in, went immediately to the Dreamcast, which I could not run uh, respectively at all under a Pi 4. And went for and the, the most... Pi 3, you mean? Pi, Pi 3. Yeah. Um, and immediately went to Soul Calibur, which is a game that... I'm not big into fighting games, but that one's okay. But yeah. I could never run it. It was so choppy and just completely unplayable on a Pi 3. It played just like I'm on a Dreamcast on a Pi 4. Yeah. It was smooth. The graphics were great. There was no... I was getting close to 60 frames per second. I mean, it was really impressive. Yeah. So that was my, uh, well, Friday night until yesterday. I was messing around with that. Yeah, I got I a nice that, case for it. Yeah, so I, I have the, under my desk here, still not built as the Picade, which is the uh, the kind of the complete kit for doing yep. an arcade cabinet, a desktop arcade cabinet. Um, and we have a Raspberry Throb Pi 3 for this. Um, I see they've actually updated the... Um, the hats now that go on the Raspberry Pi, so you can use a four if you want to. Yeah. So I might I might do that, and I just just because it, it basically it drops into if you've already got a Pi Cade, um, you just buy the uh, the hat and and the Pi Four, and it way goes. So I'm, I might well do that before we build this. It's a, it is a way more powerful computer. Yeah. I mean, this thing. This, if you go with the two gigabyte versions, starting at thirty five bucks, you get. A very capable machine. Yeah. It, yeah, it's absolutely. kind of impressive. The Pi K, the sorry, not Pi K, the uh, Pi Four. I remember when it came out. They said this was the first one you could almost use it as a desktop computer yeah. replacement. Yep. If you were, if you were running Linux, then rather buying a an Intel Linux machine, you could just buy one of these and and run it. You know. So I have the uh, Pi Three in a laptop case. That I think I mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, what I found interesting about, because I played around with um, 
what's it called? Uh, not RetroArch. What's the what do they call it on the on the Pi? The the build that's got the arcade things in it. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, no, but the the big one, the one everyone uses. Name the one you have on yours. Oh, RetroArch. Um, uh, yeah, RetroArch. It's called something else on the Pi, though, isn't it? It's um, the separate build. Anyway, whatever it is, the thing with the it's got all the logos and organized and everything like that. I found it interesting on on a regular Pi to actually get that set up. It's quite a lot of work. I mean, it, it installs and builds okay, but then um, certainly I found on on the multi boot system the problem then is to actually get ROMs into it. You needed to boot into a different system copy the ROMs into it, and then boot back. Uh, and then if you wanted to adjust the controls, you were kind of doing the same thing. You were fiddling with files, and and I was ba- booting back and forth. And, and at, at some point, I just thought, this is too much effort. You know, this is, um, this is more tinkering than I'm comfortable with. Not because the tinkering is hard, but it's just I wanted to be able to do the tinkering inside the system I was running rather than having to boot into a different system to tinker with it. I was uh, I was just looking at possibly because you know what I kind of want to do. I kind of yeah. want to get Mac OS nine running on a Raspberry Pi four. Well, yeah, this is this is the sort of thing I'd like to do as well, and and I believe that um, it's relatively easy to do. But again, you you know all the instructions you read talk about doing it. Um, kind of having it setting up as, a, as like a self-booting system, and that's not what I want. I want no. to be able to run it from the desktop, and then when I'm done with it, put it away again. This is really what I want to do with arcade games and stuff as well. Is I, I want it all running from the desktop, and instead everything for the Raspberry Pi is often built as a as its own self-built, built a bootable image, and that's kind of not what I want to do. And it's kind of frustrating because uh, I don't have the Linux skills to be able to kind of adapt what they've done to. Allow it to uh, allow it to run like on the desktop. It, you know, there's I I just did a search, and getting OS nine running, it has to be an emulation, and of course it does. Um, yeah, but I just kind of tweaked the settings so I can look at the past month, and there's a new. Uh, I, I'd, I'd watch the video, but we're talking on you know. Yeah. Um, iRasbian and it's basically it looks like Mac OS running it's got a dock it's got folders everything it looks kind of cool that might be something I might check out too because with that all I got to really do is just get another SD card pop it on there and then just swap the SD cards out of my existing Pi and I can play with it yeah so yeah, that's part of the problem with my laptop system is the SD card is kind of down deep inside the laptop case so actually swapping it out is a pest because you have to kind of pull everything apart. Yeah. So I I want I want a you know sixty four gig card. I want everything to be multi multi bootable, um, and um, and that can be done as well. But then I I found that once you've set up that multi boot system, so you've got I so I, at the moment I have one with uh, with Raspbian on one, and then I have um, RetroArch, uh, whatever it's called the uh, the arcade system on one one partition, and then I've got um, Riscos on there as well, um, but the problem then is if I want to add another one or change one of the ones I've got, I've basically got to wipe the entire card and set everything up again. Which <laughs> who wants to do that? You know, wiping all those systems in one go. So it's 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 
interesting and raspberry pi is so well documented and there's so much discussion about it yeah but um i seem to be i seem to be missing a link in between what my knowledge is which is okay and what's available online but i, I need to be able to translate between the two to do what i want i've not gotten there yet well plus it, you're not spending a lot of time doing so yeah that's right it's interesting you said about um running in emulation because one of the re- one of the reasons I wanted to kind of get this set up is that I have um, that one of the big one of the big video uh, kind of computer systems from the early eighties here in the UK is something called the ZX Spectrum. Sure. Yeah, um, and that one's kind of the you know it was like our equivalent of the well not quite the Apple II because that was more like the BBC Micro, um, but you know it was a cheap, hugely popular computer system. Most, most people play games on it. Um, and it was a typical British thing. It was kind of built down to a cost, um, and it was massively, massively. I think it started at about 140 pounds, which was very, very little back in the day. I've got one of my uh, emulators. I've got on my Pi Three build has close to, I'm gonna say, 900 games yeah. <coughs> from that system on it. Yeah, already. That's right. You know, and and it's it's a system that I never had I had the previous one the x 81 and then I went on to the Acorn stuff so I never had one well a, couple, a few years ago um, a company here licensed the the look of it and they built something they called the recreated ZX Spectrum which basically looks like the original machine but it's a Bluetooth keyboard Bluetooth and USB keyboard um, and it runs in two modes. It either runs like a regular keyboard or it actually emulates the output from a Spectrum. And you could hook this up to emulators and then you could play um, video games on it like it was a Spectrum using the same keyboard. Sure. But but all the processing was done on the tablet or whatever it was you plugged into it. And that's always been kind of cool. Uh, and I, I have one of these. I, f- I found it really, really... They, they're like hen's teeth now. They didn't make that, ma- that many of them. But I found one of these in a in a second-hand store a couple of years ago, and I just picked it up, and I'd had it on the shelf, not really played with it. So I, in lockdown, I got it out, and it kind of got me into thinking, you know, I'd, I'd like to mess around with the Spectrum, and I set up an emulator in Raspberry Pi, but it's just not, not really the same, you know. So I started looking at buying one, but then the old ones, you know, you can't you can't connect them up to modern TVs or modern monitors easily without modding them. Then you've got to spend a lot of money if you want, don't want to be loading software off tape then you need to be able to put an SD card in. That's another adapter. It's a whole great big thing. And it ends up being quite expensive. So I kind of put it to one side. And then I found out that um, somebody was doing a effectively a recreation or like a modernization of the Spectrum called the Spectrum Next. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Now, this is a really, really cool looking system. Um, it basically is running the Spectrum as an FPGA. So effectively, an FPGA is like a programmable hardware logic board. And what this is doing is they, they're creating all the circuits that were in the original Spectrum using one of these FPGAs. So it's running in hardware. It's not an emulator. And uh, you can basically, with an FPGA, you can run what they call it a core. You do that. So when the thing boots up, it configures itself. So it runs as a hardware Spectrum, and then it boots whatever you software you give it. Yep. Um, and they've created a new, a new case. They've got HDMI and all this sort of thing in it, and it looks really, really cool. Extended facilities. You can put a Raspberry Pi Zero in there as a coprocessor if you want to. All these kind of things. But the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter price was reasonable, but again, they only made a few, and uh, now these things are selling for four times the price on eBay. They're yeah. talking about doing another run, but who knows when that will happen with COVID. So um, 
But when I was looking into that, I found out the board they based it on was was open source as a previous version called the ZX Uno, um, done by a group in Spain, and I managed to pick one up. Um, I went to the the guy who originally created his website, and he was selling some of their original runs. So I'm waiting for it to arrive. But this effectively is a an FPGA board. It's about the size of a Raspberry Pi. It's designed to fit in a Raspberry Pi case. And this effectively does everything this ZX Spectrum Next does, only with all the out all the extra hardware. But more exciting than that, the core, it's got the FPGA in there, can run cores for virtually any 8-bit system that was ever created. So the Apple II, um, the Japanese one, the MXX, all the BBC yep. Micros, everything. And you can have eight, 8 or 10 cores on there at once. <laughs> so once I get this thing running, it's basically, I'm going to have all these systems <clears throat> running in hardware emulation. Um, and, Which is uh, way better than software be emulation. Oh well, it's a lot. The, the point is, it's a lot better than software emulation. Yeah. Even if the hardware emulation isn't perfect, the point is, is you're still running on raw electronics. You're not running on three levels of abstraction, which is what emulation does. Correct. So it's it's always going to be more compatible um, and perform better, and also give you more like the original performance of the machine, which is one of the problems with running software off the internet now. Is that you go back and, and get something that you ran as a as a kid on physical hardware, and then you run it in emulation? It's not the same because the latency of the inputs isn't right. A lot of the timing isn't wrong. Sometimes the music can sound wrong. You know, these things were kind of the, the hardware was so limited. They were really kind of doing all sorts of programming tricks to make these things work, and it's very hard to to recreate those in emulation. Well, I've been I've had a I guess you call it a, a watch list, if you will, that mm-hmm. eBay will send me daily emails when it finds something that matches whatever the thing is that I'm looking for. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've always kind of wanted to get my very first computer again, which was uh, a Mattel Electronics Aquarius system. It's a terrible system. Oh, right. It's just terrible. And I've talked about it in, on TechFan in the past. Uh, it has was, a, wasn't, wasn't the Aquarius based on the Intellivision? Uh, no, not really. It's kind of its own thing. No, um, I remember it back in the day. Yeah, the blue blue keyboard. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And my yeah. parents got it. They went to a timeshare sales pitch, and when you right. go to this, um, you can get a couple different things, and it's random which one you get. But they were hoping for a new TV, and my parents were cheap and didn't have money, and so they didn't sign up for the timeshare. But the thing that they got was this computer, which immediately they gave to me when they got home. And I, you know, I didn't do a whole, I got the, I got the computer, I got the tape deck. Um, You know, I didn't, I wasn't, when it came to electronics, I wasn't a geek at that point. I was into sports and stuff like that, but I did have an, an, an interest in electronics, but because of financial situation that I grew up in you know I was lucky to get an Atari 2600 yeah. but you know I, I looked at this thing and played with it so much and I noticed that it had an input thing so I wanted to know what would happen if I stuck something in there for like an old Atari game so I remember yeah. disassembling a cartridge and sticking it in there and seeing all the different things that would show up on the screen and it was I was fascinated by it yeah. but you know, there was no stores. There was no internet back in the in, in the early yeah. '80s. There was no stores that sold software or anything for this. None, not even Radio yeah. Shack. 
So I never knew that there were games that I could buy for this thing. That's what I would have done with it. Um, yeah. I figured there was because it came with two game controller things, but, you know, I, I didn't have any games. So I've always kind of wanted to go pick one up again. And the problem is they are expensive on eBay right yeah. now. Because well, it's rare. They yeah. don't sell a lot of them. And so rarity and, you know, 40, 50 cents probably either broken or thrown out or sat in somebody's attic. So rarity breeds cost. Yeah. Vintage yeah. Mattel uh, Aquarius computer system in very good condition for a year, 1983. In working condition, as you can see, has reassuringly yellowed with age. That's, I don't, okay. Um, uh, I think that they're saying you can see that it's not fake. Yeah. Because it's old. Yeah. yeah. It's still in the box. At least they have the box. It even has the uh, uh, the styrofoam things on the end. $299 or 369 US because this is in Germany. Um, here's one for 180 bucks. Here's one for 175 bucks. I ain't spending that much money on an old-ass Aquarius system. I'm just not. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to be uh, kind of committed into getting one if you're going to drop that sort of cash. Yeah. And And, and remember, of course, you buy one like that on eBay, there's no guarantee it works properly. A lot of these old systems, they need the capacitors replacing because the capacitors work leak over time. Yeah, and so you've got to have soldering skills and... You know, yeah, and then you've got to decide how you're going to do it. And even even with today's modern internet, I would imagine finding software for the Aquarius is not the easiest thing in the world. No, it's probably pretty. And quite honestly, I don't even care if it really works. I just want it. You just want it for sense. for the physicality of it. I yeah. do. Okay. Yep. Okay. I get. I get you. One hundred eighty dollars. One hundred seventy five dollars. Two fifty. Um. One hundred seventy five. Five hundred fifty. Five hundred fifty. But that's the complete system. It's everything, and it's still in the box. Uh, I, yeah. I'm just not. If any, if if anybody listen ever comes across one, or they find one in a secondhand store, and it says dirt cheap, grab it. I'll PayPal you to to ship it to me. I'll yeah. pay you for it. Um, because I really do want one. I mean, I'm looking at the box, and I remember the box. I remember the manuals. Um, I remember how crappy the keyboard was because I remember typing on it thinking, ugh, I don't, who would want to type on this? It's, it's Funnily just enough, horrible. It's, 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 yeah, it's very reminiscent to me of the Spectrum. It uses the same processor and speed. Um, yep. It's limited in RAM, but but they, the original Spectrum had the same kind of rubber chiclet keyboard that this has. Yeah. Um, this is terrible. not as good as a Spectrum. It's considerably more less powerful. Oh, than no, that. it's terrible. Fact, looking, on the Wikipedia, looking on the Wikipedia page... Um, the uh, it was designed by the same Hong Kong company who designed the Intellivision, um, and so Mattel went to them and said, "Look, we want a computer." And so this company built built them as designed for a price. It, it says here apparently that people inside Mattel thought it was so limited um, that the programmers who were writing the software for it called it called it yeah it, it, the system for the seventies, even though it came out in nineteen eighty three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how. Uh, that's a, and it was one hundred sixty dollars back then. Yeah. Yep. So it's maintained its price. And it had the Z eighty A processor at, running at three point five megahertz. That's exactly what the Spectrum did. But the Spectrum had sixteen or forty eight k of RAM, whereas this came yeah, with four. four or eight. <laughs> Expandable <Yeah>. to twenty. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a piece of crap. Don't get me wrong, but I still want one. Well, of course, yeah. You know, that's that's ultimate nostalgia there. 
Yeah. You know, um, the, the, I, the thing is, is that I know the, the people who look for this stuff, they go to garage sales and um, Goodwill and that sort of thing all the time looking for, because sometimes this stuff just turns up there and you can grab it. You know, it, it drives my family mad whenever we go to the States. I always want to go to the Goodwill stores and look at the electronics. Mm-hmm. And no, they never want to. <laughs> they go, hey, it smells in here. Yep. Yeah, and it does. Yep. But, you know, if if I if I was in the States more, that I, I would probably be, you know, regularly trawling those places looking for, for old stuff. Because I like the old stuff as well. You I don't still find a lot my... of stuff like that around here. I think there's enough... Um, there's enough interest in old electronics here in, in the States now that stuff like this that show up at secondhand stores don't last long because yeah, there are people yeah. that troll them looking for exactly the stuff to turn around and sell on freaking eBay. Yeah. Well, I, I still have my original Acorn Electron, which I, I had in around about the same time. 1983 was when I, uh, 83, 84, I think when I, when I bought, got bought my electron and the electron was basically a cut down version of the bbc micro mm-hmm. so the bbc micro was the equivalent was roughly the equivalent of an apple II. it was designed the reason it's called the bbc micro is the bbc sponsored its design um and they they did a whole load of educational tv programs based on using the bbc micro so they were big in schools my 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 school when i was 13 to 18 had hundreds of bbc micros so they were quite powerful go ahead go on yeah, they were quite powerful for the day in terms of, particularly in, the, in terms of the expandability. So Acorn did a, a cut-down version called the the Acorn Electron, and I got one of those, and I still have it. It turned up um, probably about five, six years ago. I thought I must have sold it. Oh, you told the story. Ago. Yeah. I couldn't re- yeah, that's right. And then and then all of a sudden, one day, my dad gives it to me. He <laughs> says, oh, your aunt found this in her house. And she's clearing it out, and it still had my my writing on the box. It was in the original box, like that's a awesome. Plain couple box. That's like a holy grail school, for you. I yeah, I'd written my name and and you know all all my information on the outside of the box in case it ever got picked up, and so I I still have it, and um, I've I've bought a couple of extra like more modern peripherals for it. There's like a little hardware scene for it yeah. here in the UK, so I have picked up a couple of things that allow you to. Do things like you know load load games from memory card and, and stuff like no that. blown capacitors um, or anything, huh? The capacitors are holding out on this one, yeah. so um, yeah. In, in, and on the BBC, the capacitors on the Mabel were okay, but the power supplies, yeah. apparently, the capacitors wear on those quite a lot. I see a lot of people have to change those. Um, I tell you, yeah. 83 84, when this thing came out, that was the height of me playing football. Um, dating seriously i mean playing with a computer or even video games in 83 or 84 by 83 84 i was out of video games you know the well kind of the crash had happened i'd had my atari system i had a bunch of games for it i remember (coughs) um going to like the mall and kb toy store and they would have these metal bins just full full of Atari 2600 games at 99 cents. And I remember picking up just a ton of games that I never got to play on the Atari because they were expensive back then Um, and taking them home and playing with them. And I I probably played with them each game for maybe 10 minutes and grew incredibly bored because by that point, 
well, girls. Um, yeah. You know, I just, you know, Sundays would be watching football with my dad in the fall. It wasn't playing video games. You know, I, I would, if if school was out, I'm on my bike going to my friend's house and doing stuff. We're going to a girlfriend's house. Yeah. It wasn't staying home playing with electronics. You know, I it, to me that was a, a nerdy thing was derogatory when we were young. That's a that's a derogatory term. But you're a nerd. That that's ex- yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, video games are so mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Everybody plays them. But back then, you know, yeah, it was a niche interest for you know a certain type of person. We had a when when we spent off our summers in Florida um, through the eighties, we had uh, a twenty six hundred at home, and we had quite a lot of games for it. But um, and we played a lot of it, me and my two brothers. But we also spent a lot of time outside, kind of playing with our friends. And yeah, that's you know, what you did. By, where, whereas nowadays, People you know, stay home. Um, well, especially right now. I mean, yeah, nowadays you can get these bright sunny days, and you think all the kids would be out playing, and a lot of them would rather stay at home on their computer or their um, phone, whatever well, in their room. Well, we got a guy. Uh, he's a salesman like me. Um, he's relatively new. I think he started um, probably towards the middle of the end of last year. And he hasn't been brought back yet. Um, mm-hmm. We've got two people left that haven't come back in sales. I was, you know, the first person they brought back in sales. but And they've dribbled people back in. And we're busy now. So, really, we could probably use these other yeah. two people. Um, but one of them... Uh, there's a, it's a guy and a girl. Okay. So the guy is going to let us know Monday if he's coming back or not. And the reason for that is, uh, when he got laid off, him and a couple of people he knows created a, an e-sport type of thing. And, uh, in just a month and a half, two months, they've already made like $60,000. Wow. Uh, they have a, are they, are they, are they streaming it or are they playing yeah, they, it? Yeah, they stream what, what it. They they, exactly do. I, I don't know. I haven't really talked to them other than, hey, right. how you doing? Um, yeah. But I saw the, this amount of money that they've made. Now, granted, there's like three or four guys, but still. Um, they have like this little trailer that they play, like they made. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not computer generated, but it's, it's awesome. And yeah. I, so I was thinking about this driving home yesterday. I thought, you know what? And this guy was also is is a, a comic book artist. He's an right. illustrator. That was what he was trying to do, but it's a re- that's a really hard gig. Um, yeah. But the guy's really really talented when it comes to stuff like that. And he was a pretty good car salesman too. I'll be honest with you. I I saw him yeah. doing extremely well. Um, he just has a, a a really good way with people. Um, yeah. Even though his product knowledge is lacking and. Um, it doesn't matter. He, he's a good salesman. He could do it if he wants to, but yeah, he didn't commit to coming back because of the success of staying at home and basically playing video games. So think about that. You know, he, he could have a job where he could potentially make over a hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah. or he could stay home and potentially make the same amount of money playing video games. Now, of course, that doesn't get you health insurance and a four hundred one k and there's a lot of things, and, and then you're insulated. You're not out, you know. Th- there are some drawbacks to it, but whoosh, yeah, I tell you. And 
and it's competitive as well. So you know, look, I, I something I I have realised as I'm you know particularly now I'm getting into and now into like you we're into our fifties is that I'm not as good at video games as I used to be. Not oh, by a no. long way. Oh, and, I, and I'm of not course, even close. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a there's a there's a very heavy lack of practice aspect aspect to that. But I can tell that kind of my reactions and my Abilities comprehend what's going on on the screen. Sometimes it's just not as good as it used to be. And uh, games which I used to be really good at, yeah, I just can't play well now anymore. Um, and it it boggles my mind really that you know you kind of really underscores the fact that as you get older you kind of slow down a bit, you know. Oh, I, I, I would like to think that I'm still good at video games, and I am when it comes to the stand-up arcade stuff, but that's, I mean, I've been playing those things for 35, 40 years. So of course I'm going to yeah. be good at those still, but it's really hard for me to get into the new video games. It just is. Yeah. I've got the two top video games from last year, which is the Spider-Man game, which looks mm-hmm. amazing, but I can't get the goddamn thing to go where I want him to go. I'm yeah. swinging through the city and he's going this way and I want him to go over here and I can't figure out um, and then uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Now, I loved the first Red Dead Redemption. And yeah. by all accounts, the new one's even better. But I, ju- I just can't get into it. I just, yeah. I every time I sit down and think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start playing this, it's this whole story and these people keep talking and doing this. And I'm like, can I just ride my horse and go shoot rattlesnakes or something? Yeah. Can I do that? There's a little bit of that as well, you know. I, I've I've encountered that in some of the games I play. Where it's like, you know, I don't want to go through the cutscenes. I don't want to listen to what's going on. Let's get down to the meat of the. That was the the purity of the old games is they didn't have the um, the processing power of the stories to actually do all that exposition stuff. So you just had to you presented with a playfield. You got to figure out immediately how it works. And, well, uh, with this Red Dead, yeah, I can't skip the cutscenes, and the cutscenes are ten minutes. That well, I've got a half hour to play, and I'm just. I hit mute and yeah. I get back on the computer and doing stuff until the stupid little cartoon gets done playing on the video game, so I can actually do something. I uh, so I I um I picked up the thing that that kind of brought this to my my uh, attention really is I picked up Streets of Rage Four for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, which is a, a great game. Uh, it's a very modern reinterpretation of those old kind of scrolling beat 'em ups where you're mm-hmm. kind of a tough guy working through the city, you know. Um, and it really feels like Streets of Rage was great. It, I always thought Streets of Rage was nearly as good as Double Dragon in the arcades on the Sega Master um, Mega Drive, the Genesis they, system. To me, they were all about the same. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Streets of Rage 4 is really a really good interpretation. But I found that I could get probably 11 and a half, two levels in, and then I was consistently, the game was done. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I thought to myself, you know, and so I thought, oh, okay, I just need to practice and all that. No, I've been practicing pretty hard. I'm still kind of stuck at that level, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether this is uh, uh, an age-related lack in my ability. Um, um, but on, on the cu- on the cutscenes, yeah, on the cutscenes as well. I also got um, that uh, what's it called, Minecraft Dungeons on yeah. the Switch too, because that that's the sort of game I love. It's like Diablo. I love Diablo. So when it came out, I I mean, picked it up. Um, and that's a fun game as well. It's actually kind of, it's fairly basic compared to Diablo, but it's got a little bit of depth to it that's kind of cool. You don't start deciding what type of character you want to be. You know, on, on the Diablo type games, those general things you decide, have to decide whether you're going to be a, a melee character like the warrior or a, 
a um, kind of a ranged attack character like uh, it's normally a rogue or, or something like that or an explorer and then you, you have a mage who, who uses all magic with this you can actually mix and match as you play depending on what items you choose to pick up and how you want to play it's really kind of cool but it also has the cutscenes in it and um, yeah a lot of exposition that I don't want to see I just want to get yep. on with the game and I know what the thing is. It's it's even simpler than Diablo. It's not like yeah. Diablo's got this big open world. With this one, it's literally you've got to get from one into the other of the level, killing yeah, stuff let, along the way. Just let me play the stupid loop. game. Yeah. You know, it's the it's creators like, thinking like, that this is such an important thing that they have to I don't need a I don't need a story. Just let me play. You know, when I when I got done playing the Soul Calibur stuff as a test on the Pi, the new Pi. Yeah. You know what I spent about twenty minutes actually playing? Burger time. No. Well, no, I can't because that's a it's a handheld controller and I can't do it. I have to have oh, an right. actual yeah. arcade. Uh, no, Tetris on the PSP version of Tetris. Yeah, it it looks great. Tet- it, yeah, it's that's a that's a game that you could just. It's such a fun game, and I suck at it. I really do. I got yeah. well. I played one game and it lasted me about twenty minutes, which is almost a record for me. Um, yeah, but you know, once it gets to a certain level and those damn things start coming down fast, it's. I suck. I I can't go that long, but you have know. You, have you? <clears throat> go ahead. Have you played Tetris Blast on the Switch? Mm, so it's like I don't think I have. No. Uh, so it's like a multiplayer battle version of Tetris. I think no. it's called Tetris Blast. Um, so it, it's it actually joins you up with a whole load of other people playing Tetris at the same time, and then depending on what you do in your game and what they do in theirs, you can kind of add more blocks to other people it does it all for you so you don't really know what's going on um but they once you kind of get into it there's a strategy you can do where you, you get a certain type of blocks and you know that will target a different player somebody who may be doing as well as you right. and load an extra blocks onto their level and everything like so it becomes like a almost like tetris battle royale it's quite clever but it's hmm. very very intense because it gets really kind of frenetic very quickly do you ever play Cha- uh, pac-man championship edition it's it's out on a few different platforms uh, i have not no. that, Is that the same sort of thing uh no but what it does do is it takes the concept of Pac-Man to a whole different level, and it's brilliant. That is one you should definitely pick up. So it, it changes on each side of the map. It's very neon, glowy thing, which at first I thought would be a distraction, but it actually works extremely well. Um, there's a thousand ghosts, right? And they mm-hmm. chase you. Um, but you eat a certain number of dots on one side of the board to clear it, and then the other side fills in with dots, and then you go back and forth that way. Um, it's a lot faster, but it might be as good as the regular Pac-Man for different reasons. Yeah, It, it is one of those games was, that when yeah. you play it, you're like, wow, I can't believe they made Pac-Man like this modern, and it's this good. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to give that a go, because I do like Pac-Man. But again, I, I played... In fact, just the other day, I find it up on the Switch. I have the um, it may, maybe it's maybe it's in the, the I have the Namco, Namco Museum game on the Switch. Yeah. It might be in their Championship Edition. I'll have to have a look. But I played the regular one, and of course now everybody who has any interest in video games knows that the way to beat Pac-Man is to learn the learn the patterns. It's a pattern-based game. Well, it is and it isn't. Ghost it's, move. Well, it, you got to know what each ghost will do one always goes to a a certain corner 
one does chase you one tries to get four uh tiles ahead of you um so if you know what their strategy is it's actually a brilliant strategy on how they develop this game yeah um that each ghost has its own type of personality that's right um, but the thing is at certain points thing... of the game they all split up away from you and goes to each corner just for yeah. 10 seconds or something it's it's yeah. brilliant but you you have to kind of figure that out to be you most of us just used to sit down and just kind of randomly yeah. react to what was going on the screen and if you do that you're never going to succeed at pac-man <laughs> you know no that's a, a losing strategy yes basically which of course is brilliant because it was designed to be an arcade it was designed to generate quarter yeah you know and miss um, pac-man so, is even better when it comes to the ai it just is yeah so well, we're going to wrap so, up yeah. let's let's wrap this up um mm-hmm. we're almost at an hour and uh the dogs are starting to get a little antsy in the other room i can tell so uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Tech Fan. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks for a Geeks Pub. Uh, we are looking for feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can go to geekspub.com or techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com and leave feedback on any of those sites, and we'll see it and uh, respond to it here on Geeks Pub. Make sure you kind of specify which show you're talking about because we've got a couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll see you next week, David. See you then. Bye.